Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Winning on the road and in a manner never before seen by a Cardinals team. History was made on Sunday, fitting two in the city where the franchise got its start. There were contributions from all three phases in Week 13. First, though, Cliff Kingsbury's best decision of the day. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 505, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So coaches make, what, over 100 different decisions on game day? Who's active, inactive, play calls. Go for it. No, let's kick it. There are a number of decisions that need to be made. Of all the decisions, though, that Kingsbury made on Sunday, for me, MJ, the best one happened post-game. It was the smart decision, and I think you know what I'm getting at. Bird Gang, if you have not seen it, Go to azcardinals.com, exclusive footage inside the Cardinals locker room. We see it all the time following a win. Coach gives out game balls and props to the decisions that were made as far as who got game balls. All three levels of the defense, Zach Allen, Jordan Hicks, three in the secondary, Byron Murphy, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Kyler Murray, the only offensive player, and Andy Lee got a game ball for his 58-yard punt. Then there was one more game ball handed out, and it was given to owner Michael Bidwell, whose birthday is on this Monday. So happy birthday to the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, but fitting because the franchise his grandfather founded started in Chicago. So the smart decision by the head coach, who, if you believe reports, is looking for a contract extension. (laughs) So you win in Chicago and you give a game ball to the man who is responsible for signing your check. Yeah, that's uh, it was perfect timing on Cliff's part. Um, it's always funny when you want after the game and Cliff's got this sheet of paper and he, he, he actually like hypes it up like this guy it's interesting i i I think i know who gives him that sheet of paper but i it's just funny how like he dishes it out and you know this guy's first time here and this and this and it's fan it's you could see that he's happy for the players though it is well thought out and it's reading stats and he's handed these stats because he can't pay attention we just talked about the number of decisions he's got to make he's not paying attention to hey Kyler Murray you know 10,000 passing yards the fourth (laughs) youngest player in NFL history or Jordan Hicks with two sacks and now has a career high five on the season all those little details he has in front of him and it's fascinating, but no, that's that's written out ahead of time, and he just kind of reads, adds a little to it as well. But I like when he adds to it versus Jordan Hicks had a great game and just throw the ball. Like, people are wondering, why did he get the ball versus somebody else? I just kind of like the way he delivers it. Yes. Well, hey, speaking of delivery, and we may know this by the time you hear this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, but Buda Baker let us in on a – not a secret, because if you follow the Dave Pash podcast, Pash interviewed Buda Baker in training camp, and at that time, Buda told everyone that his girlfriend is pregnant and is going to deliver in season. Well, she is overdue, and Buda made it clear to Dave that I will miss a game 
it is that important, and props to him for saying that. But we're kind of in limbo, and Buda Baker was in Chicago and was there a little bit later than the rest of the team because owner Michael Bidwell flew Baker on his jet to make sure Baker, one, could get to the game, but also because the jet has Wi-Fi. The team charter does not. So if Baker's girlfriend had went into labor, they would turn the plane around. And Buda Baker went back to Arizona on the owner's plane as well. And my guess is Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of this week, Buda Baker, 10-2 and two team, playing very well defensively, and is going to become a first-time father. Yeah, and when he said that on the Dave uh, Pash podcast, I'm like, yeah, we'll just get to Chicago and we'll see what – and then all of a sudden, Four last hair. week it was baby watch. I don't know if a lot of people knew that. And – Listen, Michael Bidwell has done this a lot of times. Anybody that has a severe injury, and if they're not going to the local hospital, he flies that player back on his plane because a lot of times it could be an ACL, um, other severe injuries, and you just don't have the same leg room on the plane. So he does this a lot, and it's nice to have an owner that that has the plane. We know that when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, he went and picked him up. And then he he, uh, he parked his plane at one of the uh, maybe Scottsdale, and then he flew in in a helicopter. I mean, it's just things. But he, Corey Peters, when he caught COVID, he brought him back to the valley. I mean, there's this I mean, Anquan Bolden. There's it just doesn't get reported, but he's done this a lot, and that's his relationship with the players. And he knows if somebody's got an injury, we want to make sure we take care of the guy. And it's more severe injuries, not just little injuries. So I just want to let everyone know that he's been doing this for a long, long time. But this is such a great gesture, what he's doing for the for, for the Baker family. We know how important Bud Baker is for this organization, but that takes precedent. And I'm glad you said he made the right decision. Yes, and decisions by the owner with J.J. Watt bringing J.J. to the Valley after the free agent signing. Zach Ertz bringing him to the Valley so you can go back to uh, Cleveland to be with the team. So just little things like that that the players acknowledge and means a lot because that sticks in the back of everyone's mind. Well, and, and you know, normally it does happen, um, but a lot of uh, owners, uh, you know, they don't, they don't fly. But Kyler Murray, you know, they flew there to work him out. And then, obviously, when they drafted him, they flew him to the Valley with his family. Again, so it's more – but, again, it, it's just a great gesture. And I'm glad it all worked out. And, and God bless and hope everything, uh, you know, comes to fruition here in the next couple of days because Buddha's got a game next Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's a, kind of a big one <laughs> as well. Monday Night Football, Cardinals and Rams, there is going to be a lot made of that game, and rightfully so. But let's talk about what happened on Sunday in Chicago. Cardinals win 33-22, their success on the road Seven games, seven wins, all by double digits. First time that has happened in franchise history and only the third time that it has happened in NFL history. 1968, Dallas Cowboys did it. The 1984 49ers did it. Winning consecutive road games by 10 or more points to start a season. That is phenomenal. It was an 11-point win, and really it wasn't even that close. That final score by the Bears, I think, wasn't a throwaway. I mean, the defense wasn't happy, but I think at that point the game had been decided, and it was just, all right, let's hurry up, let's get off this field and dry off and get back to Arizona. 
Craig, I mean, what they're doing is is historical. I mean, we when the schedule came out, you're thinking nine games and you know how many are you going to win on the road, and you got a lot of early start times, and we know that's been a you know a thorn in the side. Uh, maybe with the previous staffs and maybe the first couple of years with Cliff Kingsbury, but I, I couldn't believe when I read this stat. They haven't turned. They haven't had a turnover in their last five road games. Wow, that one I did not know. That's good knowledge, and that goes back to how do you win ball games? Protect the football, get off to an early lead, dictate the offense, and dictate what you want to do defensively. I, I'm going to go back and look. I wonder what the plus minus is there. They plus four yesterday. But they have not turned the ball over in five road games. I mean, this is historical stuff, and they're winning by double digits. They are only allowing just under 17 points a game on the road. Now, the one stat that Mike Helm, a.k.a. StatWiz, is going to have to take off the table, and I know he's probably upset about this, but (laughs) going into that Week 13 game in Chicago, the Cardinals were the only team in the NFL that had allowed 20 points or fewer in every road game. And because of the two-point conversion on that final score, it went from 20 to 22. So no longer can the Cardinals claim that they are the only team in the NFL that has allowed 20 points or fewer in every road game. But bottom line, it's a win. Seven road wins, 10 wins overall in just 13, excuse me, in just 12 games played. Now, they also gave up a uh, touchdown to a tight end. Second time this season. Second time this season. Yeah, Arizona, I mean, it's just amazing how, you know, when it comes to turning the ball, uh, forcing turnovers, and we talk about complimentary football, but you couldn't ask anything more from the defense. The way the game started, you know, Kyler Murray, we knew that he doesn't like to play in the rain or doesn't prefer to play in the rain because he can't really throw the ball. And he was wearing a glove on his left hand so you can kind of grip it. And at the first play of the game, you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you're looking at it and they get a penalty. Um, but the Cardinals' field position, it was amazing. I mean, when you when you were able to start at the 28, 15, 28, and 12-yard line, I mean, the defense set the tone in that game early. Two turnovers, two touchdowns. You talk about complimentary football a lot, and people wonder, well, what does it mean? It's like, well, when the offense is doing well, they pick up the defense or vice versa. And I think the perfect example of complimentary football is, to your point, how that game started. Interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown. Short field position. And when you get the ball at the Chicago 18, Chicago 15, and you're only running a combined nine plays for those two scores, then you see numbers like we saw at the end of the ball game. But the defense, they set the tone. They, in my opinion, MJ, won that ball game. Their four takeaways, all interceptions, accounted for 23 of the Cardinals' 33 points. Yeah, and, and you know, going to the game, we thought, all right, we had – we kind of had an idea that Allen Robinson and Marquise Goodwin would likely be out just based on A, one couldn't finish the game last week and one hasn't played in a couple of weeks. So, And then you're thinking they're going to throw to the tight ends. And then the whole idea was with the you know the familiarity with Vance Joseph on Andy Dalton. I mean, last year he had two interceptions in that game when they played for the Cowboys, let alone what Zeke Elliott did. And it was just – it was fascinating to where, yes, I mean, Montgomery – I mean, the first half, you know, you get a little bit worried because they really couldn't throw the ball because now 
uh, the Cardinals were obviously getting pressure on the quarterback. So it was just interesting where, you know, you knew they were going to have to run the ball, but the fact is when they had to throw it, the Cardinals made the plays. And when you get four interceptions, I mean, and it was all everyone – and Buda Baker, <laughs> he's still got DK Metcalf in his head, I think. <laughs> Stop by Andy Dalton. <laughs> Anyway, so – but I just – we keep talking about, you know, the front seven, and that's where it all starts. But I can't say enough about the secondary. I mean, the way they hit, the chemistry, the camaraderie, and and they're all rooting for each other. I mean, Byron Murphy, is, he's become one of the better physical players along with Jalen Thompson. And Buda Baker, I mean, we all know that he puts his body on the line. The guy's one of the smallest guys on the field. And the way he he hits people, I mean, you would think he's Isaiah Simmons. And then speaking of Isaiah Simmons, boy, he's turned the corner. This guy's going to be a really good player in the NFL. He is all over the football field. Some questions a year ago, but those questions have been answered as far as his ability here in year two. But you look at Byron Murphy, four interceptions. Buda Baker, three interceptions. Jalen Thompson, two interceptions. That is nine of the team's 12 interceptions this season coming from the Cardinals secondary. And it is a very young secondary. And we haven't even brought up Marco Wilson, first-year player. So those four players, those are your starters. Those are your core guys, two corners, two safeties that you hope are going to be around for a very, very long time. Let's uh, let's go back to the offseason because I know you and I were concerned, you more than me, about the corner position. And, and again, we're going play-by-play. Play. You know, free agency starts, they sign Malcolm Butler, get to the draft, Okay, they move up to get Marco Wilson. They get Tay Gowan. And then training camp comes. All of a sudden, Butler's it goes AWOL. And, and guys like Marco Wilson, what basically Wally pipped him, Alfred stayed healthy. Murphy is, is – his, 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 his ceiling is – I mean, the way he's playing, I'm thoroughly impressed. And then Antonio Hamilton, it's just – I mean, on paper, the secondary is the strength of this football team. The reason why they're getting these interceptions, though, is they're getting pressure from the front seven. You're talking about playing complementary football, level to level, they're getting that done. You get pressure on the quarterback. You make an offense one-dimensional. You stop the run when you have to, and that's what the Cardinals did on Sunday to the Chicago Bears. You make them one-dimensional. You take away that run. You force second and long, third and long. You make Andy Dalton drop back and look for a pass. Does he have to throw the ball a little bit quicker than he wants to? Yeah, because of that pressure from a Chandler Jones, a Marcus Golden, Zach Allen. Guys are getting in the face and making that quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket to where, yeah, you throw the ball and then maybe receivers aren't quite ready. That's why we saw a lot of tip passes. Plus, don't factor or don't forget about the factor that it was weather and the ball's a little wet and you don't want to have to throw the ball a ton in those situations. And yet, when you aren't able to run the ball, or even better, when you're playing from behind, you're forced to try to move that football a little bit quicker. So how do you do that? Well, you go through the air, and that's what the Bears – that's the situation that the Cardinals' defense put the Bears in. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at it, uh, you know, I think he targeted, what, seven, eight guys, uh, Kyler Murray yesterday? Eight. Eight guys, okay. But it was very pedestrian. He only completed 11 of 15 passes. I mean, he was very efficient, didn't turn the ball over – but they found another way to win. They didn't have a ton of plays. I mean, when you when you get these uh, short drives and you're scoring, and granted you like to get touchdowns versus field goals, um, so they didn't have a ton of plays, but the they won on the ground yesterday. 
I mean, again, James Conner, I mean, just – and Kyler Murray. I mean, we here we are. I don't know how many minutes into the show. We haven't even <laughs> talked about him running. Well, I mean, all year we don't need to have him run. And when you're not throwing it, ten runs. I mean, that to me is I – mean, that that's why they were able to run the fo- football 35 times. You take away those ten runs, um, all of a sudden you're probably throwing a little bit more. And I'm sure Hop, Kirk, Ertz, Green, Moore – they would probably like more targets, but at the end of the day, they found a different way to win. They didn't have to put up, you know, 400 yards. Outgained 12 fewer first downs. They ran 20 fewer plays than the yeah. Chicago Bears, but sometimes stats can be misleading, and it goes back to our discussion about the defense. Giving the offense short fields to work with in which they're only running a handful, literally a handful of plays to get into – Scoring position, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. 33-22, the finals. We talk about it here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You brought up Kyler Murray. No, we did not mean to bury the lead, but I do think it was a game that was won by the defense, and the offense was aided by the defensive efforts. But perhaps the most encouraging sign is what you said. Kyler Murray set season highs in rushing attempts and rushing yards. Ten carries for 59 yards. That injured ankle does not look injured at all. It was a high ankle sprain, according to Cliff Kingsbury. That was not announced until I think the team knew Kyler was going to come back. That's why they waited 38 days between starts. And according to K1, quote, I was being myself, end quote. He felt confident and comfortable in what he can do as a quarterback, and that is why they waited, and then that is the fruits of the labor or being patient, if you will, what we saw on Sunday. Cliff's done this a few times where, you know, we, we, we always talk about his legs are a luxury, and when you have Chase and you have Connor, it, it is a luxury, but we know that Kyler can escape the pocket. He's doing a much better job, you know, getting out of bounds or sliding. But I noticed in the first quarter, Cliff runs a couple design runs for him to, to let the defensive coordinator know he's going to run today. And I and he does it in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden, that was to Kyler Murray. Now, that the Rams got to see that on film now. You know, you, you're talking about a guy, you go back to the you know the, the eight games he played prior to yesterday. He was 7-1 and one as a starter. I mean, his numbers were pedestrian when it came to running the football. They didn't need him. Now that's on film. And I, I like the fact that he looked comfortable. I mean, they would not put him in that spot. If I mean, that tells me he's, he's fully healthy. I mean, nobody's probably 100%. But that looked like the dual threat, Kyler Murray, that can steal a possession or get a first down when you need it. You and I have had a, a number of discussions on <laughs> Kyler Murray and his running and how much you like to see him run, and I'm a little bit more, no, just run when you have to. Don't make it a focal point of the offense. To Kyler's words, my legs are a luxury. And that luxury was on display on Sunday. He ran, I think it was more because of the weather conditions. Yes. And his inability to really grip that football and throw the ball well. And when, one, you're short field positions, when you're starting inside the Chicago 30, you're not going to throw it a ton. But I think his ability to run and make the defense account for his running, that was huge on Sunday. Now, I don't need to see it every single week, and who knows what would have happened if it was longer drives 
for the Cardinals as opposed to 28 yards, 15 yards, 51 yards, 21 yards, 12 yards. I mean, the longest scoring drive was seven plays, 74 yards. And that, was a, and that was a field goal. No, that one was the James Conner touchdown. Oh, okay. So I, at one point in the game, um, they had gone – well, the longest drive was nine plays, 51 yards, and that was when they had the field goal there. Now, look at them. Four plays, five plays, seven plays, three plays, five plays. They didn't They didn't have over ten plays in the entire game in any drive, and they had, they had ten possessions. What that <laughs> offense showed is the dual threat. You have to account for Kyler Murray's throwing and his running, but the throwing – like we saw last year, that was needed. This year, it's not. It's to supplement unless you run into a situation like they did in rain, cold weather. It was 35 degrees at kickoff and a steady rain throughout to where it becomes more difficult to throw the football. You're 100% right. I just I, – I know he reminds me of Devin Hester in the open field, but the last couple of years he hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout the season. I now you get chased back, so you really don't need him. But I'm saying if there's a play here and, and there where he feels like uh, sometimes you, it could be where everyone's covering, you could, they can call a delayed draw. And he, if to me, it's hard. He's hard to tackle in the open field. Now he protects his body, he slides. But in the end, you are right. I don't. We don't need to see him run. But getting Edmonds back. But it's just it, to me, it's an it's a it's a luxury to where he can become that dual threat. And he makes grown men look silly in the open field. They can't catch him. I I mean, but at the end of the day, I don't want to put him – see, the thing for me is he doesn't put himself in harm's way, and that's big. Now, the first couple of years he was running around getting hit. Recently, um, when Josh Jones was in there, he was getting hit. He couldn't get out of the pocket. But at the end of the day – I want him to continue to do what he was doing, playing like an MVP, make throws from inside. You have so many weapons you don't need to do, and it's easier to throw the ball on the field than him to run. So in the end, but I do like that aspect of his game, though. When things break down, I want to see that. And it was clear early to your point, hey, we're going to show the Bears that, one, we're not afraid to drop in shotgun and throw the ball despite the weather, and we're going to show everyone that Kyler Murray – and Kyler even alluded to it on post-game, his conversation with the media on the number of plays that were called from the sideline. is like, okay, well, I guess they think my ankle is fine or I better show them that my ankle is fine because I got a number of different RPOs here that I need to either let James Conner run or I'm going to pull it and take it myself. And those were early play calls, probably by design. And look, it's been more than four weeks since we saw Kyler Murray in a game situation. And not that he was didn't know what he was doing or forgot how to play the game, but rust is real. And I do think I don't I think more weather than rust as far as his effectiveness slash ineffectiveness when it came to the numbers. But I think it does go back to where the Cardinals offensively started their possessions deep inside Chicago territory. Yeah, and when we say the word RPO, so here's RPO. He has the opportunity to put the ball in the belly of the running back. He can run it or he can throw it. So it's really two run plays. Either you give it to Connor or he takes it. And a lot of times he'll put it in his belly and he'll see where the defensive end is. And if he wants to go down the line and try to block, he's going to run outside. We've seen this guy walk in, in, in the end zone, usually when they're on the 10-yard line, where everyone's focused on Connor now. And Kyler, you know, five-yard line, he's putting the ball in the air like nobody's going to catch me. And I always think 
I, I would now with Connor, I want them to go up the middle. But it would be be interesting to see if they ever need like a two point conversion where he can get the entire defense to suck to the other side and he just walks right into the end zone. So, uh, but again, they get they get Chase back. This is this is the one two punch we've been talking about. And, and if Chase should have fresh legs, hopefully he's healthy enough to come back because I'm sure he's chomping at the bit because he wants to be part of this and he put a ton of work in the offseason. He was a big part of what this team did before he went down. Expectation is that Chase Edmonds will be back this week. Knock on wood that it happens for the Cardinals and Rams game on Monday night. Richard Lawrence defensively could be back this week as well. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, if you liked what you saw on Sunday, send your favorite Cardinals players to the Pro Bowl, nfl.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Voting runs through December 16th. The Pro Bowl is Sunday, February 6th in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Again, nfl.com slash Pro Bowl vote couple other items on Kyler Murray, who accounted for four touchdowns, two rushing, two passing. We mentioned the pass attempts. Those were the fewest in a win in his career, only 15 pass attempts. And you noted on Cardinal Talk that just two of those passes went beyond 10 yards, both touchdowns, DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner. He also had a clean pocket. The first play of the game in which he fumbled the snap, the Bears got credit for a team sack. Outside of that, there was not a single bear who touched Kyler Murray all game long. No sacks, no quarterback hits. So credit the offensive line as well for making sure that the franchise quarterback was kept upright and kept clean in a very dirty ball game. According to Pro Football Focus, the unit allowed just five pressures, zero losses in pass protection. Both Humphreys and Hudson had zero pressures and received 80-plus blocking grades. Calvin Beecham gave up three of the five pressures. He was the only starting offensive lineman below 67. Garcia was 67. Hump, 83. Hudson, 82. Harlow, 78. And then Calvin Beecham, 51. But, again, Kyler's not taking those sacks. I mean, it's night and day. You keep him upright upright in the pocket to allow him to survey the defense. Where are his open targets? And he found those. There weren't a lot of passing attempts. You relied a lot on James Conner, who had 20 carries for 75 yards, just under four yards, a carry, add in two catches for 36 yards, and 111 yards from scrimmage. He was the leading rusher and leading receiver in that game on Sunday. Who would, have, who would have thought that? Never in a million years. And, 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 and again, I just assume this guy, I looked at it, we, we, when he, they signed him, we're like, okay, Chase is probably has more upside just because we, we see it, we, we watch it over the last couple of years. Did you see that one-handed catch he made? That was unbelievable. <laughs> and the fact that he was able to score because he was able to make that catch still in stride yes. and with an open space in front of him to take it 23 yards for the score. It, it, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is going to get talked about again this week. It's been talked about, asked about since training camp it as should. far as his ability to add another dimension to this offense. It's not just Chase Edmonds who can catch the ball as a running back. James Conner can as well. Yeah, and all of a sudden you can go far wide with Chase or Conner. I don't think there's another guy on the roster, and Larry used to be this guy and Hop maybe the last couple of years. He has more one-handed catches than anybody else. This James Conner? Yep. More than D-Hop. 
Well, he missed some games. That's true. And I mentioned this uh, last night on the postgame show. I know Kyler Murray is the MVP of this team just based on he touches the ball, but I don't know where this team would be without James Conner. You can make a case. If you if you want to take Kyler Murray out of it just because that's, yes. that's obvious, the MVP, but it's maybe offensive player of the year for the Arizona Cardinals, 12 rushing touchdowns, two passing or two receiving touchdowns, 14 total touchdowns. It'd be a hard argument to make against James Conner for being the offensive player of the year. Yeah, and Hopkins, he doesn't have the targets, he doesn't have the yardage, but do you know what he has? Are you listening, Kyle Odegaard? He has the touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. But his touchdown was not in the red zone on Sunday. It okay. was 20 yards, but I don't think it officially counts as a red zone score. Why? It has You're... to be inside the 20-yard line. Oh, okay, line. so if he was at the 19? Yeah. Okay, okay, well, I, that, I lose that stat then. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to Kyler and his target death. Nine yards or less, completed 81%, 88 yards. Quarterback rating, pass 130. 10 to 19 yards, 33%, 14 yards, yards per attempt, 4-7, about 50. 20-plus, 20 he only had 21 yards. So, again, that 10 to 19 is normally where he's he's shown improvement. I do think the weather was a factor where they really didn't want him to throw the ball to where it would obviously uh, – I don't know – I'm not saying he didn't have control of it, but he was not comfortable to throw the ball down the field. It kind of reminded me of the San Francisco game when Colt McCoy was checking it down. There wasn't as many screen passes because you had more weapons out there. 257 total yards by the Cardinals offense, 137 of those coming on the ground. You put up 33 points still, and after the ball game, Kingsbury called the offense disjointed. And I understand what he's saying because you're expecting a better flow at times. There were two fumbles initially, and now that's 24 fumbles on the season, only three lost fumbles. So it wasn't perfect. In fact, there were times both offensively and defensively, I was thinking like, this team's just not playing very well. Yet you look at the score, and they're up two touchdowns, and they're hitting that 30-point mark again. You play like that in those kind of weather conditions, there's a reason why they are the number one team in all of football and should be considered Super Bowl contenders. Yes, uh, there's no doubt. And and I think because of the conditions, it was a little sloppy on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, again, I want to give the defense credit because they, they set the tone early in that game. James Conner, team high 20 carries, let alone what he did in the receiving game. 20 carries. And so, I believe this is now three times in the last four games he's hit that 20-carry mark. And over 30 rushes. My magic number. 30 rushes, this team, more times than not, will get the job done or be in position to win a ball game. And, again, that a lot of it is playing with the lead. And when you get in that fourth quarter, you just you, – and they know you're going to run and they still can't stop it. So, yeah, it. I mean, they're going to clean some things up. Um the offensive line and to get Pew back, they'll be set there. They get Chase Edmonds back. They get Rashard Lawrence back. We'll see about Jonathan Ward. Um, you know, they're going to need their weapons against the Rams. We'll get into that later in the week. But um, this was a good team win. Uh, they played complimentary football. You know, uh, you know, Matt Prater did exactly what they wanted. Andy Lee had a great punt for Gardeck. I mean, it's going to happen. The guy plays, you know, balls to the wall. But the fact that they had that punt on the two-yard line – that was huge. You know, I had a guy actually tweet me, uh, I'm a big Dennis Gardick fan, but he should have downed it at the one. 
At that point, if you can get it inside the five-yard line, you've done your job. It's an oblong shape ball. I couldn't that believe does a number of different things that you can't always predict. I couldn't believe he said he could have, and he said, "I'm a fan of Gardick." I'm like, "Cool." And then I'm gonna keep reading. He goes, "But he should have downed it at the one." I'm like, "No, we're splitting hairs here." I'll, like you said, if it goes into five, sign me up. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as we continue talking about a week 13 win in windy, rainy Chicago. Chicago. It was cold. Cardinals win 33-22. It was not a clean game. And let's talk about what didn't quite go right. And I understand, Bird Gang, we are nitpicking here, but these are the focal points of a coaching staff that now can look at the film and say, yeah, you're playing well, but it can be better. And that's the job of a coaching staff to keep this team motivated. I did not like, and Kingsbury even admitted to it after the fact, quote, I wish I could have had that one play back. And it was the direct snap to James Conner on third and goal from the one in the fourth quarter. At that point, you could have really put the Bears away. You had to settle for a field goal because that play lost six yards. Kyler Murray was on the field, just lined up as a wide receiver. I don't mind going for it, or I don't mind the direct snap, but not on third and goal from the one. You know my feelings on short yardage. You go under center, whether that's a quarterback sneak, Kyler keeps it himself, you give it to James Conner, or you throw the pop pass to the tight end. Did not like the decision. Forget the result. Did not like the decision, the play call on the direct snap. Yeah, I would agree with you. When you're the, when you're close down there like that, you, I mean, the offensive line, they thrive on that. Put the, put the quarterback under center. Obviously, you don't want Kyler jamming his neck in, in the middle of the pile. But Connor, if he's got four or five yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage, he he can he can get on his horse and get through there. So I understand. Maybe maybe he was just trying to, you know, because everyone probably thought the way Kyler's running, we're going to take him out of the play. He, you know, he basically goes out as like a wide receiver. He's still on the field. Um, but I, I couldn't agree more. I thought at the time, you know, let's just pound the ball inside and get you, get, get the points here to where, you know, you don't have to use Kyler in that situation. But Connor's built for that. It's just I want to see Kyler hand the ball off to him. And they've used the direct snap, the wild card formation before with James Conner, Chase Edmonds. It's it's not the play design. It's the decision at that moment in the fourth quarter when you're up by 10 and you could punch it in and go up 31-14. Instead, you have to set, you're, you settle for a field goal. Matt Prater should not be kicking 25-yard field goals. That's shorter than an extra point. And we talked about that. That's I can't, we, You can't have those kind of field goal attempts. And, yes, he made it. Did not cost the team, but just some of those decisions that you hope a coaching staff and a head coach they learn from. Right, we get in that situation again. We're going to do something different. Well, and and you know when it comes to play calling, it's subjective. You know, if all eleven guys are doing their job, then maybe we're not having this conversation. It's just sometimes I would like to see Cliff like go back to something that works. You know, like you you can you can show the same formation, and there's four different things you can do out of it. You can throw to the right, you can run to the right, you can throw to the left, you can run to the left. And it all looks the same, but you motion guys. Um, um, but sometimes I like to see him go back to things that worked earlier in the game. And and you know who am I to tell him? I've never called a play in my life. And again, it's really it's subjective. When if the play works, nobody's talking about it. In this case, just when you're watching the play line up, you're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work. And that's what transpired. 
it's very easy from press box, from inside the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network studios, from your couch. A little different when you're in the moment on the sideline. But, again, did not like that, and it was good to hear Kingsbury say, yeah, I wish I could have that back as well. The other, and I wouldn't even call it a concern, just pointing out, and it's the number of penalties. Actually, not even the number. It was eight, which I looked up. It was one more than they had in the previous two games combined. But it's not always the number of penalties. It's what kind of penalty and when those penalties occur. And I'll give you five penalties that I think you have, you cannot have happened. One, though, I'll, I'll, I'll put a little asterisk. But first quarter, false start by Zach Ertz. A third and goal from the four becomes third and goal from the nine. Now, Kyler Murray ended up scoring a touchdown. He ran it nine yards anyway. But you can't have a false start when a third and manageable becomes a third and long. There was another false start by Kelvin Beecham in the fourth quarter. Third and three became a third and eight. They punted the ball. Pre-snap penalties can't happen, especially on the road. And then the most egregious penalty of all was the third quarter delay of game after a timeout. A third and two became a third and seven, and the drive stalled. I don't know exactly what happened, but that that can never happen ever again. Craig, it's happened it's happened a few times this year. Out of a timeout. Yeah, you can't have a delay is, a game is, after is a that, timeout. Is that trying to get the right personnel out there? Because clearly they're having a conversation before they go on the field. Now he can still talk to Kyler in, in his headset. 16 seconds, it goes off. But that should not happen, especially out of a timeout and when you're 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 taking the field. Those are mental errors, and I don't know if it's on the sidelines or the players, but you know somebody's got to take the responsibility. But yeah, again, I'm glad we didn't talk about this to start the show because that would be unfair. But these are little things when you get you start playing better teams. Uh, we the football gods have been the Cardinals side this year, and you know they've earned the right to be in this position. But when you start playing better teams. These little things that are like when you mentioned 23 fumbles, you're playing with fire. Cleaning up. And they only lost three. And a lot of times it's Kyler getting a low snap, jumping on it. But you start playing better teams, they're not going to give you an extra possession here and there. And and they know that. And I listened to Zach L after the game, and he says, we haven't played a perfect game now. Now, I don't know if you'll ever play a perfect game because you got 22 guys running around on the field together, 11 on 11. And every time we hear Cliff, we left some points on the board. And and then Jordan Hicks said, this is the time of the year where we want to start to hit that button, like the, hit the accelerate. We want to be playing our best football. So clean this stiff up because they got the talent to beat anybody in the NFL, home or away. It's the little things that you don't want to come up late in the year that cost you a game against better opponents because you can't make those mistakes against the Rams against the Cowboys maybe even against the Colts on Christmas Day two other penalties and this is the first one is where I have a little bit of an asterisk because I didn't quite get a good look at the replay but it's third quarter and Byron Murphy gets called for illegal use of hands on third and 12 you're off the field yet all of a sudden that laundry shows up on the field and the drive continues that it's more frustrating than anything because you think as a defense you're off the field and all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, what happened? Well, I I mean, they showed Vance on the sidelines. He he thought he was hit with his shoulder. I mean, it's, it's a ticky. I mean, it's a bang, bang play. But Vance was not happy with the call. They showed him. He kept, he kept hitting his shoulder. You're talking about the – helmet to helmet hit, I think. That was earlier in the yeah, game. Okay, yeah, because they, they – I know Vance – That was 
that was a bad. I did not like that decision. Yes, on Murphy. Yeah, because Vance was really upset about that. I know what you're saying, but that's the way Murph plays, though. I mean, I, I, aggressive, physical. Yeah, yeah. But you, again, you, you, that stuff can happen in the first quarter. It happens in the fourth quarter. You know, when teams are down, Craig, and they need a touchdown, they're going to throw the ball on the field. You know why? Because Bruce Arians used to have a theory. I'm going to throw the ball down the field five to eight times a game. I'm going to get two pass interference calls. Two. And the teams are doing that now. You could see when they're trailing, they're going to throw it down the field and they're just hoping to get a P.I. call or necessary roughness or something. And there's a difference between P.I. and holding um, where they, it's not, sometimes it's not automatic a first down depending on where the call is. So, But Arians, that was his theory. Sometimes 7 to 10, he said, I'm going to get two P.I. calls. So t- t- look for that for teams to start doing that when you're when you're kind of aggressive. Um, but I can't fault Murph because the way he attacks the ball, the pass defense, the physicality, he brings a little bit of edge to that secondary, even though they got Buddha and Jalen Thompson. From a corner standpoint, he's much more physical than Marco Wilson. And Robert Alford doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's very physical too. And that's why I put a little bit of an asterisk yeah. on that particular call. The last one, and this – we all love Dennis Gardeck, but you can't have a roughing the puncher call on fourth and 16 in the fourth quarter. Now, it didn't cost the Cardinals because on the next play, Andy Dalton was intercepted. But at that point, yeah. you're only up 10, and now all of a sudden you give new life to your opponents. And it's about field awareness, game awareness. There was no need to go after the punter in that situation. And I know you want to be aggressive, but there are certain times where you have to dial it back a little bit because you know big picture. You're up 10. Don't give the opponent another set of downs. Again, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, the very next play, interception. But little things to your point, you have to clean this up if you want to continue to win in December and January, and more importantly, hopefully in February. These little details you can't have happen against the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys. Because better teams will take advantage of those extra breaks, those extra set of downs. And it's just something that, again, nitpicking, 10-2 and two after 12 games. But still, this team has the ability, and we've seen their capability of playing much, much better. Craig, I mean, when these guys get in the meeting room, the coaches are telling them the same thing. I mean, it's the little things. And Zach Allen said we haven't played a – again, I don't know if you have a perfect game, but meaning like, okay – when we go in the film room on Monday, we, we only had three errors versus ten errors. And, and they're called Emmys, mental errors. A lot of pre- and post-snap, where, where were you in position? So the coaches are having the same conversation. And it, according to Kingsbury and Kyler, they feel like they can put up 40 points a game. It's just the little things. And, um, again, I'm, I'm just – this is really fun coming in here every Monday. <laughs> Trying to find something wrong the day no, before. No, right, yeah. but I mean – to start the show and go, oh man, that was they—they they got lucky to win that game, and you know they went on the road and they—they they didn't look like they were ready. And this whole narrative about after the bye week, and, and it was real because they haven't played well after the bye. But this is the NFL, like I say, throughout the records, they went there and took care of business. It was a good team win. You build off it. First time under Cliff Kingsbury, this team wins the game after the bye week. Now, those first two were at home. This one was on the road, but Cardinals 1-0 post-bye week and 3-1 and since a 7-1 and start. And I go back to a couple of weeks ago on our post-game show. You, you brought a valid point up. 
and you know when you go with a backup quarterback, you're just hoping to win. Uh, we know Colt McCoy did a great job, but I think going into the bye week with a win gave this team a little bit more security to where we, we're going to rest our bodies and then we're going to go play Chicago regardless of the weather. We're the better team, and then we get all our guys back between now and, and, and the, the Rams game. But I think it was important to go into the bye week because otherwise the narrative would well, they can't win without Kyler Murray. Colt McCoy was one and two. And it was the opposite. You lose two in a row, three or four going into the bye week. That all changed. It went a 180 the other way as far as how well the Cardinals were playing with a backup quarterback. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Pro Bowl voting underway, NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. The game this year, Sunday, February 6th. You can vote early. You can vote often. Votes on NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Before we head on out of here on this Victory Monday, if you will, although I don't think this team officially has had a Victory Monday in which they have been given the day off in which, hey, I'll see you on Wednesday. I don't know. I, I Don't quote me on that, Bird Gang, but I don't think this team has had that given to them, presented to them, or the opportunity because I think they've all said, no, we've got work to do, whether it's quick film study, get a workout in, make sure we're healthy so we can get on the practice field Wednesday. Craig, when you're winning, you want, you want to get out of the house. I mean, you, you, got, you got your family there, and, you know, you, a lot of guys like to come to the facility now. Let's go work out. And the camaraderie. I mean, you can come in here with coffee and donuts and just sit there and talk. I mean, it's like us going to work together. So they like coming here on Mondays and Tuesdays when they don't have to. If, you, if you've been injured and you've got treatment, you have to be here. But for the most part, guys will just pop in if, you know, just it's this is their workplace. And so, no, it, this is a close-knit group. And they know what's at stake here. They know if they can take care of business down the stretch – they can make a run in the postseason. They are two wins away from wrapping up the NFC West. The Cardinals are 10-2, and two, the Rams 8-4, and four, the 49ers after losing on Sunday 6-6, six and six, and the Seahawks 4-8. and eight. Cardinals right now have the best record in the division. Within the division, they are 4-0. You know who the second best record is within the division? I only found this out this morning as I was looking at these okay, standings. It's got to be a trick question. Then. Oh, yeah, it's a trick question. Don't tell me the Seahawks. It is the Seahawks <laughs> with their win on Sunday over the 49ers. They are 2-2. Two and two. Cardinals 4-0, Seahawks 2-2, two and two. the 49ers 1-4, and four, and the Rams 1-2. Those are your four division records. Yeah. All week we heard, and, and, and I think you and I were somewhat in agreement, but, but I wanted to see more. You know, San Francisco was on a roll, and – all of a sudden now they're going to start Trey Lance. I mean, they got a lot of questions there. And, you know, again, they're still in the thick of things. Uh, the only thing that changed on the standings, all four division winners uh, stayed where they were. The only difference is Washington goes against San Francisco when it comes to the six and seven seed. Because of their better conference record. So here are the standings in the NFC. Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Rams, Washington, and the 49ers, the Packers and Buccaneers both nine and three, but because the Packers are seven and two within the conference, and the Buccaneers are six and three, Packers get the two seed, Buccaneers the three seed, and to your point, same thing with Washington and the 49ers. Both are six and six, but the Washington football team has a better conference record than the 49ers, so they get the six spot, and the 49ers the final seed at number seven. I want to get clarification: Are the Cardinals a half game ahead of the Packers, or are they a full game ahead of the Packers? Full one game ahead. 
ten and two versus nine and three. But Packers won the beat the Cardinals. Still one game. One game. I, I always think it's a half game. Because if you finish a one game ahead, you get that number one seed. If you finish tied, right. then all of a sudden you lose that because of the game on Thursday night. So yeah. that, that's always in the back of everyone's mind. Well, it's only and that's the only team that I think it's a half game because they beat us. You know what I mean? They beat the Cardinals. Hey, uh, before we get out of here, what did you think of Kingsbury's hat yesterday? I did not see it. I mean, I I, I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't understand it until afterwards. And we're not used to kind of seeing. Kingsbury in a hat like that. It's usually what do they call the that he wears on practice, where the the rim goes all the way around. Yeah. Sun hat. It was a say. 1920, and I think that was the the when they had their hunter season. I can't tell franchise you franchise started in 1920. Yes, and I can't tell you how many people want that that hat now. <laughs> he looked like Kyle Shanahan though. Just the brand. Got to keep that rain from your, from dripping oh, into I didn't your even eyes. Think of that. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I didn't even think of all that stuff. Yeah, because normally he's wearing sunglasses. <laughs> but I can't tell you, a lot of people are asking about that hat. And I don't know if I'll have to try to find out through our, our peeps here because that was a good-looking hat. And, by the way, Coach is just fine. As he told Paul Calvisi on postgame, the bloody lip was taken care of. Inadvertent clash with Kingsbury's lip and Lucky Foe too, as everyone joked, that is the one player you don't want to run into, the mountain of a man, Lucky Foe too. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder how Cliff's going to look today on Zoom. <laughs> do, the, do, the, do the lip require stitches? Does it blow up? Yeah. He's officially on the injury report. Yeah, he might be the only one that came out of that game worse than he entered <laughs> the game on Sunday. But, hey, it feels better because you walk off that football field with a W. Yeah, this is uh, this is a great feeling. And, you know, the last couple of years we come in here and do the show, and we know that it was going to take some time. Or clearly we were disappointed what happened last year to end the season. But I, I really believe, Craig, that was a blessing in disguise what happened because it changed the focus of what this team wanted to do. And year three was going to be huge, and you got to give Steve Kime and, you know, Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris, Drew Grigson, all the scouts credit because – they went out and ID'd veteran players with leadership. And, you know, even though Zayvon Collins isn't really playing right now because of Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons, um, this draft class has set up the future. And I like what they've done, not only in the offseason, but bringing these guys in. It's been a fun ride, and the ride is far from over. Of course, we'll get into the Monday Monday night matchup coming up later this week as we work our way towards week 14. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.